This is Africa News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Peter Clotty, and here's what's coming up. Shockingly, the number of Hungary has more than doubled from a year ago, and an estimated 5 million people are experiencing emergency levels of hunger. That's WFP Sudan spokesperson Lenny Kinsley on the rapid increase in crisis levels. Also, South Africa's government says Israel is defying a ruling from the International Court of Justice on its actions in Gaza. And we get a look ahead of round of 16 action this weekend at AFCON. Others and more coming up on African News Tonight. In Kenya, the government has launched an investigation into a gas explosion today that injured many in the capital, Nairobi. Kenyans are expressing outrage over what they say was a preventable tragedy. This after local reports say the energy regulatory body had thrice rejected applications for construction permit for a liquefied petroleum gas refilling plant in the area. For the latest update, I reach reporter Nelly Mora, who lives close to the area of the explosion. This blast happened uh, last night at around 11.30 in the night. Uh, according to a victim, he says that they came out because they, they could feel the smell of gas in the air and they had this hissing gas sound. And then uh, one man tried to go to investigate and he found a lorry parked somewhere and asked him what exactly was happening. And the man said, or oh, confirmed, that uh, there had been a gas leakage, but this driver insisted, and at some point, the car stalled. And when he tried to ignite it so that it can restart, it sparked. So from that uh, uh, spark, it started uh, a series of explosions. And from where I live, I live two kilometers away from the scene, we could hear sounds like gunshots. And it wasn't clear what was happening, and... Suddenly there was this orange snowball and uh, the power went off and there was a huge explosion. And, and, and this explosion uh, unfortunately raised down residents, uh, residential houses in that, in that place. Uh, it, this is uh, in Bakasi East, uh, it's, it's the eastern part of Nairobi, uh, about uh, 13 kilometers from the Jomo Kenyatta International Airport. And uh, so in this area, we find that there are residential houses, there are commercial properties, there are also warehouses go down, and and most of them have come down. And unfortunately, uh, it it has also injured about 280 from the latest figures from uh, Red Cross and government. And uh, the the death toll has risen to three as as we speak now. And uh, residents are... are, uh, Running frantically, some have been left homeless. What has been the reaction of residents in the area? Many have been, hundreds have been displaced and they're now being sheltered at a nearby college. It's called the Kenya School of Aviation. And the Red Cross is coordinating uh, relief supply and rescue efforts. And at this uh, particular center, uh, they've been called for donations and uh, uh, people are being asked to take uh, clothing, bedding, utensils, and dry food so that uh, these people can at least uh, survive. 
And uh, there's also a, a center that has been set up for psychosocial support and uh, also for where people can report missing relatives. Uh, meanwhile, the reaction of Kenyans is an outrage, especially on Twitter. There's one uh, Kenyan by the name at all on Twitter. He, he said that he lived in that area and three times he wrote to the uh, National Environment Management Authority about the danger of that particular gas plant in the estate because he said he could not even access his balcony because of the, that smell always. And because he feared for his life and the uh, non-response from Lima, he was forced to move out. But unfortunately, his friend didn't, and he lost his friend in this fire yesterday. And uh, the, the, the Energy Petroleum Regulatory Authority has disowned that particular plant, and it has in- indicated in a statement to media houses that uh, three times this particular plant applied for a permit, and they were denied on the basis that they did not meet the criteria for uh, storage of LPG gas or filling stations. And uh, they were also uh, uh, required to have provided a risk assessment to indicate the radiation blast profile, which they did not. So three times they were rejected, but unfortunately they continued operating. uh, and, And despite the residents' plea for intervention, nothing happened. And today we are talking of a tragedy that could have been avoided. Nelly, what has been the reaction of the government so far? Uh, the government spokesman, Isaac Maura, today in a statement and also in visiting the, the, the victims of this blast has indicated that a probe has been launched into how this happened and uh, they have already cordoned off the area and is uh, undertaken to first uh, address the humanitarian issues that is... Uh, helping the victims of this blast, uh, helping those who are not uh, sheltered by trying to find arrangements where they can be sheltered. And he has indicated the government is going to have a, a cash transfer uh, grant of, of two months' rent. That was reporter Nelly Mora speaking with me from Nairobi. The World Food Programme is calling for immediate, unimpeded and safe access to conflict-hit areas of Sudan to provide humanitarian food to millions of displaced people facing acute hunger after other organizations said aid is being held up at the border. Lisa Schlein reports for VOA from Geneva. The UN's Food Agency reports Sudan's escalating conflict is taking an unimaginable toll on civilians. It calls the situation beyond dire, noting that almost 18 million people are facing acute hunger. Despite Herculean efforts, the World Food Program says it only has managed to provide food aid to 6.5 million people across the country. This since war between the Sudanese armed forces and paramilitary rapid support forces broke out on April 15th. Speaking from the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, WFP Sudan spokesperson Lenny Kinsley says her agency only has been able to provide one-third of Sudan's hungry people with the help they need. She says millions of civilians trapped in conflict zones must receive aid immediately to prevent Sudan's looming hunger crisis from becoming a hunger catastrophe. Shockingly, the number of hungry has more than doubled from a year ago and an estimated 5 million people are experiencing emergency levels of hunger, or IPC phase four on the integrated phase classification scale. Especially affected are conflict areas such as Khartoum, Darfur, 
and Kordofan. Kinsley says WFP currently can only deliver food assistance to one in 10 people facing emergency levels of hunger in Sudan. She says WFP is unable to assist 90% of the country's hungriest people trapped in conflict hotspots. She says humanitarian convoys must be allowed to safely cross the front lines so these destitute people can receive the aid they so desperately need. Every single one of our trucks needs to be on the road each and every day delivering food to the Sudanese people who are traumatized and overwhelmed after nine months of this horrific conflict. Yet life-saving assistance is not reaching those who need it the most. And we are already starting to receive reports of people dying of starvation. Kinsley says WFP has ramped up life-saving assistance in response to Sudan's deepening crisis. However, she says it is becoming nearly impossible for WFP and other agencies to cross the front lines to deliver that aid because of security threats, ongoing fighting and enforced roadblocks. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. You are listening to African News Tonight. I'm Peter Clote in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see viewafrica.com. There, you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out viewanews.com. The South African government says Israel is defying the order of the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, to prevent genocide in Gaza. Pretoria says it's now up to the international community to end the violence. The government also says it's experiencing repercussions for its legal action against Israel. Darren Taylor reports. South Africa's Minister of International Relations, Naledi Pandor, said Israel's recent attacks in Gaza, especially on hospitals, totally go against the grain of the International Court of Justice ruling and the Genocide Convention. I believe that the rulings of the court have been ignored by Israel. Hundreds of people have been killed in the last three or four days. And clearly Israel believes it has license to do as it wishes. So the world does have to reflect. What do we do to stop such acts occurring, not just with Israel, but any party in the world? The ICJ ruled in late January that Israel must do all it can to prevent civilian deaths and acts of genocide in its war against Hamas militants in Gaza. The court, acting in a case that South Africa filed, did not call for Israel to cease fire immediately, as Pretoria had asked. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu continues to take to social media and other platforms to say his country's military is targeting Hamas fighters, not committing genocide. Israel's commitment to international law is unwavering. Equally unwavering is our sacred commitment to continue to defend our country and defend our people. The vile attempt to deny Israel this fundamental right is blatant discrimination against the Jewish state. But Pandor said Israel had no right to kill tens of thousands of innocent Palestinians as it pursues Hamas. The Gaza Health Ministry says nearly 26,000 people have died in the conflict, most of them civilians. The violence in Gaza was ignited on October 7, when Hamas extremists attacked Israeli settlements. They killed about 1,200 people and took hostages, most of whom it still holds. Pandor said the international community must push to enforce peace and not just monitor peace agreements. 
I believe South Africa has done what it can, and now the global community is the one that must answer the question. Do these conventions mean anything, or do we now have a world in which there's open license, where you can act as you will against any vulnerable group? She said her government's building an international coalition to create a Palestinian state. But she said since the ICJ rulings, she and other South African officials had been subjected to what she called a coordinated misinformation campaign, saying they support Hamas and are acting on behalf of Iran. She said fake posts on the social media platform X, for example, had portrayed her as calling on Arab states to attack Israel. President Saul Ramaphosa said at a recent African National Congress meeting in Johannesburg that his government expects Israel supporters to retaliate against South Africa for the ICJ case. He gave no specific examples of that happening, but said it could involve efforts to undermine the ANC in elections later this year. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. The State Department spokesman Matt Miller confirms that the U.S. administration is pursuing establishment of an independent Palestinian state, quote, with real security guarantees for Israel, because we do not believe that is the best, we do believe that is the best way to bring about lasting peace and security for Israel, for Palestinians and for the region. He stressed that this has been the long-standing position of the United States and does not represent a shift in policy. Americans for Peace Now, APN, welcome the news and urge the Biden administration to turn deliberations into action. Aurel Neer, spokesman for Americans for Peace Now, discussed this development with VUA senior analyst Mohamed El Shinawi. I think that this correctly reflects the administration's position. It is true that the U.S. administration has supported the creation of a Palestinian state since 2002 under George W. Bush. There was a press conference, a very famous one, in June of 2002 when the United States for the first time adopted this uh, idea and made it into policy. What is new, as Mr. Miller said, is the word actively. He used the word actively. And what I think happened here is, uh, you know, the, the Biden administration when it took office, uh, decided to put the management or the policy on the Israel-Palestine question on the back burner and not to really take active measures to try to uh, remedy the, the conflict. What I think is happening now is that they have shifted, and this is very significant, from a passive posture into a forward-leaning active posture. And we are seeing that with uh, several measures, several ideas and initiatives. And that, to me, as someone who's been uh, involved in pro-peace activism for a long time, is uh, very encouraging. Some experts said that aside from full recognition of a Palestinian state, the U.S. could also take a step in not using its veto power to block the U.N. Security Council from admitting Palestine as a full member state of the U.N. But the current U.S. law would require the Biden administration to hold all funding to the U.N. if this body recognized Palestine as a permanent member state. What's your take on that? Right. I think that's correct. And I, I don't think that the administration is really considering uh, recognition of Palestine as a full member of the U.N. And I think it also 
should not. <laughs> um, Palestine is not yet a state. I mean, we want it. We want there to be a Palestinian state, and, and the administration does too. And I think uh, most people around the world would like to see a Palestinian state being formed in the context of a peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. But to admit Palestine today, before that has happened, as a full member, would just not be the right thing to do. What the administration apparently is considering doing is following what 139 member states of the UN have done, which is recognizing Palestine as an observer in the UN. And if that's correct, reports have been, you know, there have been some reports about it in the, in the past few days. If that is correct, that, that would be a very big deal. Americans for Peace Now welcomed news that the Biden administration is considering recognition of a sovereign Palestinian state and urged the administration to move from deliberating to doing so. APN stated that recognition of the state of Palestine is not an alternative to a negotiated, mutually accepted two-state peace agreement, but it is a meaningful step in that direction. Right. A Palestinian state is something that we all aspire to. And when I say we all, I think most people who support peace between Israel and the Palestinians uh, would like to see a two-state solution. The state of Israel already exists, so a two-state solution means the creation of the state of Palestine, a Palestinian state. That is aspirational at the moment. We aspire for it. What we are encouraging uh, the, the U.S. administration to do and welcoming news that this is being considered is to go from the aspirational to the actual action and recognize uh, a Palestinian state We know that that is not going to, you know, like a magic wand, create a Palestinian state, but it would go a long way toward doing that. That was Aurelia Nir, spokesman for Americans for Peace Now, speaking with VOA senior analyst Mohamed El Shinawi. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. The Super Eagles of Nigeria and Palancas Negras of Angola will be the first quarterfinal match in the AFCON football tournament today in Abidjan at 5 p.m. local time. Sports analysts say they expect the match to be competitive, especially following the performance of the teams during the group games. The DRC will take on Guinea for the second game of the quarterfinals. Only four teams from eight will be left to compete for the semi-finals. For the latest update on the tournament, I reach my colleague Alvaro Andrade from the Portuguese to Africa service. He is on a special assignment to cover the AFCON tournament. Yes, we're going gonna to see Nigeria, Angola. It's um, one of the most important, most excited game for this the quarterfinal because we have no the favorite are when home now. 
And Nigeria is now one of the favorite teams to win the, the, the AFCON. But yesterday, the coach Giuseppe Zero said no. It's 50% for Nigeria and 50% for Angola. And the Angolan coach, um, Pedro Gonçalves, uh, said the journalist uh, he wants to win this, this AFCON. Um, beside that, and then you can see we're going to have a, a big game now. And then the Nigeria player, he will be claimed it is important for the Super Eagles to maintain their style of playing against Angola because Angola deserves to be in the quarterfinal. This is the first game today. What are people telling you about the next game after the Super Eagles and the Palancras Negras? Yes, I just spoke with two Nigerians. They came from London today to watch this game. And uh, he asked where I'm from. I'm say I'm, I'm from uh, of America. Uh, but, and then they asked me, but what the country you are? Because we're African. Okay, I'm from Cape Verde. And then one of them told me, okay, we're going to meet next Wednesday, Cape Verde, Nigeria. What means Nigerians are very confident for this game. And just now... Uh, in the stage, in the other, in the other side, what I'm, I'm, I'm here, I saw a lot of Angolans that uh, came from Angola this morning in the, in the Abidjan to watch this game. I didn't talk with Angola now, but yesterday two or three fans told me they are very confident with uh, um, their team today. The second game, Peter, is going to be a tough game here in Abidjan. Um, uh, DRC and Guinea. The, um, the coach of Guinea said yesterday he's ready to go to the final. Kaba Diawara said he was very confident in the team. He said they even talked DRC eliminated Egypt. Guinea will win. The coach of uh, DRC, Sebastian, says it's 50-50, but they are ready to go to the final. It looks like the quarterfinal games are going to be very competitive from what you are telling me. Yes, is uh, now only Nigeria and maybe Ivory Coast who were a champion in the past, but now we have Cambridge, uh, we have Angola, you have, uh, we have uh, South Africa, he's playing uh, very pleasurable uh, football, and also we have Guinea, we have DRC, that means we have um, now, yesterday in the, in the fourth press conference, we asked about the, who is going to win. Everybody said, now this is the, the Afghan of surprise. Any of these eight teams could win the Afghan. Let's see. That's my colleague Alvaro Andrade from the Portuguese to Africa service. He spoke with me from the Ivorian commercial capital, Abidjan. Illegal parceling out of wetlands in Zimbabwe for residential purposes has not only damaged the biodiversity in such important site, but has also left residents vulnerable to floods and the destruction of their property. Colombo's Mavunga reports from Harare, where desperate home seekers fall prey to land barons. 27-year-old Matthew Samuel Milans abandoned his home for five years after water levels rose to above knee level. He is now living in a communal hall provided by the Zimbabwe government. He says, I can say things are not okay because we are no longer home. We are being taken care of. So I am pleading for help so we can get alternative accommodation, which we hear will be availed. Thus, my plea to the government says, relance. 
The Environmental Management Agency of Zimbabwe has for years been calling for people not to settle or get land in wetlands. Steady Kangata is a director at the government agency responsible for environmental management services. You might defy uh, the processes uh, today, but there will come a time where water will just pass by and it will be very difficult for you to cohabitat with water. So... And that wraps up this edition of Africa News Tonight. I'm Peter Clote in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent, 24-7 visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer David Vandy and engineer Sidrak Franklin, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.